The Tech Leaders Toolbox podcast is brought to you by Paul Simpkins and the Boldly Lead program, focusing on helping tech leaders like you end the frustration of low-performing teams and losing excellent employees so they can increase productivity by 50%, go home on time, and sleep better at nights. Hello and welcome to the Tech Leaders Toolbox. I'm Paul Simpkins, and we're here because how you lead today determines how your team succeeds tomorrow. And we are all leaders. And as leaders, we have a responsibility to get better each and every day. And we do that by each and every day living the commitment to grow and to improve our leadership skills every day. Now, I don't know about you, but with the work-from-home environment now, I'm finding myself getting even busier than I ever was before. And I was pretty busy to begin with. How about you? It's like there's always something to do. Does it feel like you're getting anywhere? See, while busyness itself is not a problem, how we're busy can be a problem. Typically, we're either engaged in a flurry of activity that seems to get us nowhere or we're engaged in focusing on work that needs to be done. So today we're going to talk about seven signs that maybe you're too busy. And then we're going to talk about a simple action plan to make sure that our busyness is focused and not flurry. Are you ready? Let's go. There is absolutely nothing wrong with being busy. Busy keeps us active. It keeps us from wasting time focusing on the negatives of our lives. Busy keeps us going and means that when we are busy, when we're the right kind of busy, then we are focusing efforts on getting where we want to get. It's never a matter of whether or not we're busy. It's a matter of how that business is being conducted. Are we busy with things that are targeted or are we simply busy with activities? See, busyness that is not targeted and not purpose-driven can lead us to a distinct feeling of emptiness. We're so busy that we must be getting somewhere, but somehow, why does it feel incomplete? Why does it feel like we're not getting anywhere? Our busyness seems to have no real meaning. Instead, we spend our time, instead of in focused activities, we spend our time in a flurry of activities that seem to be going nowhere. It was Socrates that once said that you should always beware the barrenness of a busy life. That uh, sometimes we, we, get, we try to be busy, but we don't really try to be busy with a purpose. And in fact, Henry David Thoreau said, it's not enough to be busy. Even the ants are busy. The question is, what are we busy about? So what we want to do is we want to make the choice between focus or flurry. That's always the option. Focus or flurry. Are we engaged in events that are focused on moving us forward? Or are we simply engaged in a flurry of events 
that keep us going around in a circle and never getting anywhere we want to get. Now, if you're not sure if you're one of those people who are always too busy, I wanted to share with you, here are seven signs that indicate that you are likely too busy and too busy with the wrong things. So here we go. Number one is if you are always surviving. If you can't remember what open time on your calendar looked like or the last time that you were ahead of schedule, that's a good sign that you're probably too busy. And it means probably too busy with the wrong kinds of things. So that's the first one. If you're always surviving instead of thriving. Now, number two is if your meals either coincide with or overlap other events. This is a dangerous thing, and I caution executives and managers on this all the time. One of the hard and fast rules you should always have is that you never eat at your desk. Even if you have a home office, don't eat from your desk. Uh, The only exception to that would be if your desk right now happens to be the dining room table. That may be unavoidable. But too many times... Because we are so busy and so many things we want to get done, we will engage in working lunches. We will try to do work while we're eating. And especially in the work from home environment, that can be especially dangerous because we'll end up bypassing things like family meals where there's opportunities to have quality time with our family or just a quiet meal time where we can engage in something other than work. So if we find that our meals are either coinciding or overlapping with other events, or if we're working while we're eating, again, probably too busy and too busy with the wrong things. Now, number three is if you tend to be tired even in the mornings. If you just can't seem to catch up on your sleep, no matter how hard you try it seems that even when you go to, if you go to bed early, you get up in the morning, you're still tired. Well, it means again that your body is restless. It means that even when you're going to sleep, you're not really getting that good quality sleep that allows you to rest because your mind is racing or your body is still trying to catch up from the night before. If you can't remember the number four, if you can't remember the last time you read a book. And when I talk about reading a book, we're we're not talking about, you know, whether you read a dime store novel or anything like that. Uh, Fiction is great. Fiction has a place. And and there's a lot of people that don't even go that far. But you want to make a point of reading books that, again, are helping to equip you to be better prepared for the things you need to do. In other words, there needs to be a mixture in there. And I love fiction. I read a lot of fiction. One of my favorite authors is Rex Stout. And I love the Nero Wolf series of mystery stories. And I read those a lot. And that's great. I've read fiction from other authors as well. That's all great. But you also want to mix in with there. In fact, it needs to be probably more like a 60-40 split at the most, where 60% of what you're reading is nonfiction. Read biographies of people you admire. Read tips and tricks uh, written by people within your industry to help you get better. Self-improvement books. But again, be picky about those. 
And here's the thing about reading. A lot of people think that they don't like to engage in reading because they go, well, I commit to read this book and what if I get halfway through it and it really stinks and I don't want to read it anymore. And nothing in the world says you have to do that. I'm a big fan of scan your way into the book and if you get, say, a quarter way into the book and you don't really see it going anywhere, toss it aside, pick up something else. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. So again, if you can't remember the last time you read a book, probably too busy. Number five, if you have interruptions to your interruptions. You know what I'm talking about on that? You've probably had it happen, right? You have a plan. You're going to go do this. And then you get an interruption. Something gets in your way. While you're dealing with that interruption, here comes something else at you at the same time. If you're getting interruptions on your interruptions, again, that's an overly busy uh, time period. Number six, if you cannot consistently set aside a time frame for a specific activity. And what I like to include in this is by specific activities, if you cannot set aside a time frame for exercise... If you can't set aside a time frame for meditation time or or devotional time, if you can't set aside time for quality time with your pet or with your family, again, when business or busyness takes over the schedule, we've got a problem. And then finally, here, number seven, the number seven sign that uh, you're likely too busy and busy with the wrong things is that you do not engage in intentional daily growth. If you are not doing something each and every day to grow and to get better, again, because you're, you just don't have it in your schedule, you're too busy. And it means that we need to find a way to bring that under control. So we, we need to make the transformation from being too busy to being productively busy. Remember, it's, it's a matter of focus, not flurry. So we have to move from flurry to focus. And it starts, first of all, with the decision to actually do that. We have to commit ourselves to that because I will tell you this, I deal with it. I've dealt with it every day and I deal with it now. You are going to have each and every day, you're going to have challenges to whatever you decide to do in this direction. That when you decide to make changes and make improvements, you're going to be challenged each and every day on that. And if you're not committed to it, if you're not resolved that you're tired of being tired, that you're fed up with not getting where you want to be, you will give in to those distractions. And then once you give in the first time, It's just that chink in the armor and it just becomes easier and easier to give up the next time. Everything becomes an exception instead of the rule. Not going to solve all your problems here, but this is going to help provide a framework to where if you are committed and resolved that you're going to implement this, then you are going to find your busyness being more productive and more time to do the things you want to do and the things you should do. So how do we get started on this? 
first thing you're going to do is you're going to live by a calendar. Now, I struggle with this, and I'll admit to struggling with this because I tend to be my personality type. I tend to be more of an impulsive person. I tend to be more living in the moment kind of person, and I'm not a huge planner. That's something I have to work on, and I continually work on it. And so for me, even living by a calendar where I'm going like, okay, what am I supposed to be doing right now? That's tough for me. But when I do it, I find I am much more effective. So you're going to take your calendar, and I like to use Google Calendar for this because with Google Calendar, I can access it from anywhere. If you're more of a uh, paper and book kind of person, buy yourself one of those nice little calendar planners and use that and carry it with you everywhere you go. And what you're going to do is you're going to take your calendar and you're going to create blocks of time on your calendar. Now, there's a few ground rules for this. Each block that you create needs to be ideally an hour minimum, but no less than 30 minutes. And the key thing is you don't have to block every waking moment of your time. You're simply trying to make sure that you set aside specific activity blocks every day. And so if you're somebody who struggles with getting in your regular exercise, somebody who struggles with getting in meditation or devotional time, or somebody like me who struggles with getting in the time where I need to be prospecting and uh, marketing myself uh, out to prospective clients, by putting it in a block, I've set aside that time and I know when I'm supposed to be doing it instead of like, well, when I get a moment, I'll do it. Because I have found that when I say I'll do this when I get a moment, it doesn't happen. But so you want to block out specific activity blocks. And then once you block these, put these blocks out, you need to protect them ruthlessly. Nothing short of a real emergency is going to get in the way. Now, what's an example of a real emergency? Spurting blood, sinkholes, hurricanes, earthquakes. All of those are real emergencies. Short of that, commit yourself to these time blocks. And you're going to need these blocks to be labeled on your daily calendar. Now, there's five types of blocks that I recommend that you put on this calendar. First, block out what I call spiritual time. Now, I call it devotional time right there on my calendar. Devotional time. You can call it what you want. The point is you need daily time dedicated to developing your spiritual life. This helps make everything else better. It's that critical. Ideally, this is the first block of the day. And in fact, it is on mine. I wake up in the moment, in the morning, and my first block of time after I wake up is my spiritual time, my devotional time. If you need to get up a little bit earlier to have that time for it, do it. And this can be just a minimum 30-minute time. I find what works best for me is I get up before everybody else in the house has gotten up so I can have my devotional time. And if you have kids, that's especially important because as soon as they get up, they've got needs and demands and everything else. 
And this can be time where I can be quiet and by myself and focus on the matter at hand. In fact, if you have kids, this is even better because it's going to, when they get up and they see you engaged in this daily activity, it encourages them to develop the same kinds of habits. Yeah. So here's another block of time you want to, uh, what I call hard time. Hard time is the block set aside for doing the things I know I need to do every day, but I will avoid and postpone it until it's too late to do it if left to my own devices. In other words, hard time is when I know I got to work on something that I don't really want to work on. And again, for me, that's prospecting. I hate prospecting. Uh, I've had marketing people tell me, I'm going to teach you how to love prospecting. No, I still don't love prospecting. I'll do it, but only if I put myself in the position of I have to do it and I have to force myself to do it. So that's your hard time. Uh, You can call it your eat the frog time, right? The whole thing about eat the frog is, is eating a frog would be unpleasant. So it's best to go ahead and get it done if you have to eat it. But I like to call it hard time. So again, set the time aside for it. Don't allow yourself to do anything else during that time frame until hard time is done. Another category is your personal growth time. Again, this is a block designed for you to intentionally grow yourself. It can be reading a book, watching a video targeted. Uh, I always use what I call the 1% rule. My commitment here is to be able to grow intentionally by 1% a day. And if I do that, I see exponential results. It builds up over time, like compounded interest. But you want to have that personal growth time every day. I would recommend this be 30 minutes to an hour of personal growth time. You want to have reading time where, again, you do nothing but read. This can be reading trade journals, magazines, websites having to do with your industry, white papers, books. Don't spend this time on the newspaper or on social media. We want our reading time to be time that feeds us. And then finally, you're going to block in what I call me time in there. This is the block where no one else but you is your concern. Do whatever you want as long as it isn't for someone else. You need to have this time to yourself for your sanity and your balance. That can be engaged in a hobby. It can be uh, engaged in some kind of activity that draws you away from everything else. But you want to have that me time on the calendar. And if that me time is 10 o'clock at night before you go to bed, take it. But the more you schedule that in, the more you block those times in, then the better off you're going to be. And in fact, you want to be consistent about it. So your spiritual time should come pretty much the same time every day. Your personal growth time, same time every day. Your reading time, the same time every day. Your me time, well, could be flexible, but you want to make sure you do get it on the schedule every day. And your hard time may vary a little bit depending on other activities you're engaged in. But block out your calendar, and and I will tell you, blocking out your calendar, setting up with reminders that pop up that tell you that it's time for your hard time, time for your spiritual time, are going to help you stay less busy on things that aren't being productive 
and be able to spend more time actually getting somewhere. It's going to help you be focused. It's going to help you spend more time on focus than flurry. We'll be back in a moment. While you're here, take a moment right now to subscribe to the Tech Leaders Toolbox podcast and leave a review. That way, you will always be up to date on the bold and innovative leadership principles we are sharing here. And come join the Tech Leaders Toolbox Facebook group as well, where you and other leaders discuss these concepts in more detail and we answer your questions. Subscribe today and share this with your friends. All right, here we go. This is, uh, again, my favorite part of the show, one of my favorite parts of the show. Uh, As everybody knows who's listened to these before, I am a huge fan of outdoor cooking. And I do all kinds of outdoor cooking, uh, using Dutch ovens, using open coals, open fire, using my grill. I have a grill. I have a smoker. Uh, Any kind of outdoor cooking, I'm into it. And in fact, I've actually gone out and created a Facebook group called Smoke and Ash. The Smoke and Ash Facebook group is me and all of my friends out there, and we share recipes, we share gadgets that we've discovered, we share our favorite cookers, and a lot of times we share the results of stuff that we've done over the weekends or for special occasions, all of that out there. And you're welcome to join us if you want. Again, it's called Smoke and Ash. And that's a Facebook group out there, and you're welcome to join us and find out what it's going to do for you. I wanted to share a recipe today. The recipe I have today is what I call campfire baked beans. Campfire baked beans. This is best done in a Dutch oven. And probably for the quantity we're going to do, you want it like a number 10 or number 12 Dutch oven. That's where it's done. Now, if you don't have a good Dutch oven like that with feed on it so you can do it over coals. You could do this on a camp stove with a pot or or a uh, Dutch oven for the stove. You could do it on a grill. You could do it in your kitchen if you wanted to. So campfire baked beans. So what you need for this is again, of course, the Dutch oven. You also want two cans of beans. Navy beans are great for this. If you want to do a mixture, you can try navy beans with kidney beans or pinto beans just to get a good mix in. But navy beans are perfect for this. Then you're going to take a small onion. You're going to chop it up. You want two slices of bacon. I like to use thick cut bacon that you're going to cut into small pieces. You want about a quarter cup of molasses. And then you're going to want a tablespoon of ketchup, a tablespoon of mustard. And then if you're going to want a bottle of hot sauce and you put a few dashes of hot sauce in there to taste. So the first thing you're going to do is there's a little bit of setup to this. So the first thing is you're going to put your beans in a pot and stir in the uh, stir in the molasses, the ketchup, the mustard, and the dashes of hot sauce. Stir all that together and start heating that up on a medium to low heat. You're just wanting to get it hot. You don't want it boiling. Uh, if you're using your coals, you can put your pot like at the edge of a fire or put three or four coals underneath of it, and that'll bring it up to that temperature. Meanwhile, you're going to take the bacon that you've diced up and the onion that you've diced up, and you're going to put that in a skillet and fry it up. You want the, you want the onions to soften 
and you want the bacon to get a little crisp. And then you're going to drain the grease off that. And then you're going to add all of that. You're going to take your beans and the bacon and the onion and mix them all together in your Dutch oven. Put the lid on your Dutch oven and then you're going to put, you want to basically bake this for about 30 to 40 minutes at about 375 degrees. So the way to do that, if you're using coals, is you're going to put about seven coals underneath the Dutch oven and about 16 coals up on the lid of the Dutch oven. That'll get you at about 375 degrees, and it should maintain it for about 30 to 40 minutes. Don't forget to do your occasional quarter turn of the lid, quarter turn of the pot, uh, to make sure that, again, we're getting even distribution of the heat. When you bring that out, it's going to be nice. It's going to have a nice thick sauce to it. The beans will be delicious. It'll be have a real nice flavor to it as well. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. And that's campfire baked beans. Now, if you like the recipe for this, I post the recipe for this every week on that Smoke and Ash Facebook group. You can go out there and get it. Otherwise, all you have to do is send me an email to tltoolbox at boldlylead.com. That's tltoolbox at boldlylead.com. And I'll be glad to send that recipe to you. All right, so this week we talked about are you being focused or are you in focus or flurry? Are you being productive? Is, are you busy in a productive way? And we talked about seven signs that you're perhaps not being the right kind of productive. And we talked about a simple way using your calendar and blocking out your calendar time that you can make sure that your busyness is more productive. And that's about it we have for this week. I'd like to remind you before you go, if you're viewing this on a podcasting app, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you get this every week. And if you have the opportunity to leave a review on the podcast, especially if you're listening to this on Apple, leave a review of the podcast because that like really pleases Apple very much to do that. And also don't forget that we have a group associated with the podcast on Facebook called the Tech Leaders Toolbox Facebook group. And you can come out there and we extend the discussions here. And we have additional content out there. And if you have questions about anything we talk about on the show, you can post those out there as well. All right. Well, that's again, that's about it for this week. Until the next time, go on out and be the leader you were meant to be.